Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have another captivating episode of our State of the Market series. We're about to dive deep into the pulse of various industries, from manufacturing to medical, dental, and many more. Now, why is understanding the state of the market so crucial? Simple. Understanding the state of the market is the key to unlocking endless opportunities for growth, gaining valuable insights into the competitive landscape, deciphering consumer buying patterns, and most importantly, formulating effective risk management strategies. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur or business owner seeking your next big break or a seasoned business owner determined to stay ahead of the game, this series is your compass guiding you through the ever-changing tides of the market. Now get ready to decode the trends and gain a strategic advantage that will propel your business to new heights and stay tuned as we dive into another State of the Market episode. Here we go. Sally, I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, oh my, the pleasure is all mine, Sally. The pleasure is all mine. Um, so we're talking about the state of the market. Obviously, um, this is your world, GP land. Um, what, uh, what is the state of the market at the moment in um, medical practice sales? To be honest, Jonah, I've never been busier. I've been doing this nine years now. I've had to put on a full-time assistant. Um, this week I started working at 8.30 in the morning. It finished at 10. So there's so much happening. I've got eight businesses going um, to contract, hopefully within the next four weeks, four weeks today. I think we finished the, this financial year. Um, every day I have business owners calling me, Sally, can you sell? Can you help me sell? What's, what's the state of the market? So there is a lot of interest in um, selling and buying practices at the moment. Thankfully, with the budget, there's been a bit of an olive leaf has been handed out to GP clinic owners with regards to the increased incentives that they'll get with their whips and the increased money that they can charge to some of the disadvantaged patients that they are treating through bulk billing. So there are a couple of wins that... Um, we have been able to see as a result of the budget, uh, which is great because it is a difficult playing field at the moment. After COVID, a lot of doctors went home to look after their families. They didn't come back. So we're really under-doctored at the moment. We had, with COVID, um, people realised they didn't have to um, commute and work in the city and pay huge mortgages and lots of rent. So we saw a lot of tree changes and sea changes. So a lot of people have left Melbourne and Sydney and moved up to southeast Queensland. So we're seeing um, vacancies and, and uh, I guess, teething problems with clinics where we've never had problems before attracting doctors because Melbourne and Sydney are always number one and number two destinations for doctor families to go to. But we've now had a lot of people leave. So it's a, it's a changing marketplace. Mm. Going back, I mean, there was so much in that. Where do we even start with going back through all of that information, Sally? But um, 
but one of your comments, budget, um, some changes, obviously, um, for our medical practices coming out of the budget. You know, I, I've uh, I've heard some interesting feedback. You know, some of those elements are a bit of a double-edged sword because, uh, you know, some of those issues around the bulk billing side and, you know, um, but what what is the impact on um, on values of medical practices? Have we seen any impact at all, or is is it not having any any impact at the moment? But we think it might in the future. Mm. Well, it's likely to make clinics more profitable. End of the day, uh, every dollar that hits the bottom line in profit becomes three to three and a half to four come sale time. So it is an exciting period for. Uh, practice owners to be entering but as you know banks don't sell on potential it's really hard to get um, a solid business plan that will indicate to banks that they should be lending more than what the last three years values the practice at so it's going to take it a while for the changes of the budget that are coming through now in four weeks time to really make any significant uh, difference when it comes to sale time because of the three-year lag time. So banks like to see three years of numbers, but those the last three years are going to be uh, with the lower Medicare rebates, and then it's going to take us till 2026 to really show the effect of this when it comes to getting a higher lending amount from the banks to finance the acquisitions of the medical centres. But we can always assess over one year and two year and three year. And, you know, market will pay what market pays. And, and a lot of the people that are buying clinics are practitioners. They know the changes are there. They know that it's going to become increasingly profitable, uh, especially under their leadership. A lot of young people are buying practices. They've got a lot of energy. What we're also seeing is the generational change and the tsunami of baby boomers. So there's a lot of old, broken, um, semi-retired, slower doctors that potentially weren't billing to their capacity that they were when they were younger. So if with this transitional change we see a lot of younger people coming in, then the, the practice is going to be a lot more profitable as well. Mm. It's interesting. Regardless of the Medicare changes, sorry. Well, it's interesting. I was just going to say this is one of the industries where I see people working the longest um, into I had an 80-year-old. Yesterday, yeah. an 80-year-old. 80, and another broker rang me. This is a doctor in um, regional Queensland. He's 80. He's still got three registrars under him. And we need to try and help him transition into retirement. Otherwise, he's not going to have much retirement left to enjoy. Well, and that's the story again and again in this industry. And, and, and I think, you know, sometimes it's fueled by the fact that there is there is a love of the industry, there is a love of the practice of being a doctor. You know, I I think, um, and you know, I've got friends in the industry, and they talk about, you know, they can't imagine not, um, not or, or that whole concept of retirement, where you know, we know many business owners in other industries um, have perhaps less passion for what they're doing, and you know, see that exit piece as a financial decision more than a passion choice. So I, I guess we've got that environment that is a little bit different in this industry as opposed to many. But but I do think it is it's important for our listeners who um, are medical practice owners just to also bear in mind that there can be a financial cost of not selling at the peak of your practice. And maybe there's other ways 
to look at how you can continue to practice without taking the financial hit of missing that sort of um, that optimum, that peak performance period for sale. What's your thoughts on all of that? I did have a doctor's wife tell me once, she told her husband that he has to sell when his business is the most profitable. And it's probably the hardest thing to do because you don't want to. You've spent a lot of years building it up and, and creating that wave of success. The last thing you want to do is to not be able to ride that wave into shore and just have to go, you know, see you later business. Um, and then with trade restraints, etc., you might not want to relocate somewhere else and, and start another clinic, or maybe you don't have the energy to start again from scratch. So there are a lot of pros to sending when it's at its peak, but if you are in a regional area, your kids have grown up, moved away, you're settled there, that's your life. So the other option is to think about if you are an accredited training clinic and a supervisor, Think about selling to your registrars, people that know the business, that know the family, that know the, the region that you're working in. There's always, as with this doctor, younger people coming through, but are they only coming through to tick a box and then they have to move on if they're GPT-1 or 2 after 6 months or if they're 3 or 4 after 12 months. And ideally, you keep your fourth year uh, registrar in the practice and then have a discussion about them either becoming an associate or a 50% um, owner or a 100% owner or a payout over time or something. But it's very difficult to become entrenched at 80 and then think about having to sell your practice. So uh, some doctors also, they work so hard, they've worked 10 years doing their education, they work really hard through their 40s and their 50s and their 60s and then they don't have a life outside medicine so they still have to continue their CPD points. This year our doctors have to do 50 additional hours each year to maintain their registration and their CPD points which is a lot for saying a lot of them are working already full-time hours. If they're practice owners they're working again on top of that lots of hours to keep their practice running. So just even maintaining your registration is, is just, it's tough. And then you have accreditations every three years. Again, to go through that, um, I've got a doctor whose um, practice manager is doing accreditation at the moment and he's doing a, a major project in, term of, in terms of research. So for him now to give me time for due diligence, which he's just out of time, literally. So the accountant thankfully is able to step in. But a lot of doctors don't have the time or the desire to step away from practice and they think that being in their practice is all about treating the patients and making the money but they don't then learn to play bridge they don't have a gardening passion they don't take time out to play golf so i've had many doctors say to me sally what am i going to do when i retire there's only so many times you can head to the golf course you know <laughs> uh, so it's all about transitioning over time as well retiring over time so start taking half a day off a week then maybe two afternoons off a week and then maybe two afternoons in a morning and then gradually transition over time. Let the younger people come in and take over your patients. Some of the clinics that I've sold, they have a, a culture within their workplace. They have shared caring. So if patients come in and they usually want to see Dr. Joanna Oakey, she's not there today, then they might say, well, you know, can I see someone else in the practice? But because all the patient files are available to everybody, they offer shared caring, which means you can start stepping out and learning to live outside work and start taking up interests that you might have put on the shelf for 40 years. And you might suddenly remember, oh, I really liked building cars or whatever it is. So go back and find a hobby. 
Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Um, okay, and so you also mentioned at the beginning this move, um, this this sort of sea change, tree change. What what impact, if any, is that having on values uh, of of medical practices? So presumably, it's all supply and demand. So I'm, so you, you know, you would expect that that then would see. Um, higher prices um, in areas that used to be less popular than are now. But maybe if you can run through with us, you know what you're seeing in terms of popularity and um, and and pricing. Sure. So I've got some really large businesses coming to market. Uh, sorry, coming to contract at the moment this month. We should see a few of the big ones drop, which is great. But they are in regional locations, so people now. Um, if they're thinking I can sell up in Sydney, I don't need to be here. So they're selling up maybe $4 million worth of property and they're going up the coast uh, and they can buy a fabulous beachfront property for just over a million dollars. They've still got all this money in their banks. So that um, they're thinking, well, what can I do with that? Do I need to go to the bank for a loan? No, I'll just buy another business with the cash that I've got. So I'm not, uh, full disclaimer, I'm not registered to give any tax advice, so I have a conversation with your accountant about this, everybody. <laughs> but we are seeing um, big sales in regional areas now, which is great. It's great and because what's happening, I guess, to preface that with retirees are selling their four or five million dollar homes in, in um, Sydney and they're going up the coast, they're buying these beautiful homes. So there's a big retirement surge out of Sydney and uh, with your chronic disease management, your CDMs and your higher item numbers, the GPs are then having this surge of retirees that are now landing on their doorsteps um, and these are profitable numbers for the doctors to be billing in their clinics. Um, the other thing is they're cashed up retirees so they're not reliant upon bulk billing. So they're happy to pay for quality services. They're happy to pay to have a great uh, clinician treat them and pay for that privilege of spending quality time, half an hour or so with your doctor to actually work through. Um, it might be comorbidities as well. It's not just usually one thing when you get to retirement age. It's your knee, it's your back, it's your hearing. It's, you know, one thing after another, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, and it's that's a fascinating point, um, absolutely. On then, you, you know, the I guess the changing mix in regional areas now in medical practices, um, and you know, really fascinating comment. Um, so, so much happening in the market, Sally. Um, and I guess you know, are there any um, last tips or tricks that you would leave um, in the current market for our buyers or our sellers? Yeah, it is a bit bullish at the moment. So I say to people, uh, please go and get some pre-approval. Start talking to your bankers now because if you want to buy, you're going to get pipped at the post if you're not ready. So I had someone call me yesterday. I've got a clinic to sell down in a deep area of Melbourne. I had people there at 11 o'clock today. So I said to them, if you're not there, they will sell it to somebody else. So make sure you're ready. If you put your hand up go, I want to buy a practice, make sure you're ready. Do your homework. Get KPIs together. So people are me and go, I want to buy a practice. I'm like, okay, what's important to you? Oh, it's got to be established. I'm like, no, you need to go. It's established. It's got five consulting rooms. It's got three doctors remaining. It's got to be blah, blah, blah. So make sure you know what it is you want to buy. 
because otherwise you're going to waste a lot of time looking at things that you don't want to buy because you don't want to you don't know what you want to buy so it's really important to have clarity in your vision be organized have your um, commercial lawyer talk to someone like joanna talk to joanna um, have your commercial lawyer have your financier that has already looked over your numbers and you already have a relationship with if you don't like the first financier you talk to go and talk to another one because if you're talking to a broker they're going to be able to look across all of the bank's rates and get you the best rate um, make sure that you are doing your homework because there's no point in going yeah yeah i really want to buy a clinic in frankston um, and then you realize that the clinic you're looking at um, isn't the right location or it doesn't have the right triple M status. Yes, it might be DPA, but it's still triple M1, which means that if you are a 19A, um, AA and AB restricted clinician, you can't work there because you still need to work in the triple M2 and above. So really do your research, have clarity on your dream and um, start preparing. I guess those are my three hot tips. They are such great tips, Sally. Well, look. As a buyer. Yeah, as a buyer. And then as a seller, you know, you've got to have hot tips as a seller as well. Okay, give you us the to... hot tips as a seller, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have talked to your accountant. Again, full disclosure, we're not registered to give tax advice. Talk to someone that is. So I talked to someone yesterday. I said, look, your age and stage in life, forgive me for asking, but how old are you? Oh, Sally, I'm really old. I'm what was he yesterday? 55. I said, no, that's <laughs> that's not going to get your capital gains tax discount. So what else are you going to do? He said, oh, I'm going to put it into super. But find out how you can minimize your tax before you're bringing your business to market. Talk to your account. Is it going to be a company sale or a share sale or a business sale of the assets? So are we talking about things that are integrally related with your ABN. For example, if it's an NDIS business, yes, it's going to be a company sale. But if it's a GP clinic, maybe it's just going to be a, a, a business sale with assets. So find out what it is you're selling first. If you have got convoluted financials, I just hung up earlier today from a doctor. He's got three. He's got his proprietary limited and then two family trusts. I'm not a forensic accountant, neither is your buyer. So if you have a complicated structure, Talk to your accountant and ask them to undertake special purpose financial statements. So at a glance, I can go, oh, yeah, I can see how much profit it's making because the people that are going to be applying to buy your business have less training in business than I do. They are not um, accountant trained. They want to look at your bottom line and go, oh, I can see it's making 212000 in EBITDA. They don't want to be reading three lots of financial statements. So when you come to market, be ready because if you are talking to buyers that are ready and they can't understand your business quickly, they will look at something else I'm selling. So I think it's it's really important, I guess, the take-home point is if you're a seller, be ready to sell. If you're a buyer, be ready to buy because these opportunities are just happening so quickly at the moment. They absolutely are, and I, I think that's great advice. Um, we, I mean, we see so many sellers in all industries, I mean, um, medical practices are just one and they're exactly the same as the others in that there's, you know, key things that are not understood from a legal perspective. Employee entitlements is often very confusing and quite often we see, I mean, very regularly when medical practices are sold, they've actually been established for a long period of time, you know. Um, they're, they're the sort of business that is held on to for a significant period quite often. I mean, not always, but just I'm, I'm talking about the, the sort of the average. 
and sticky stuff. That's it. Yeah. And so you've got a lot sitting in entitlement. So it's super important that, you know, you, you understand what that means as a seller. You understand what that means as a buyer and, and you understand how to deal with that negotiation or discussion together. Because I, I do find that this can be a sticking point. And mostly just because both parties aren't coming with having understood um, or they, um, you know, perhaps they're not getting the right advice along the way and they're, you, you know, because I think the thing is there's, there's fairly clear ways to deal with all of this, but but the problem comes when either party or both parties just don't really understand. So I, I think that your advice in relation to get prepared um is is absolutely correct and get prepared also i think extends to get educated or go um you know to get get yourself a deal team that you trust who can that's it who can be across all of those issues because it is that interaction you know between the you know your broker your accountant as we've talked about the tax issues and your lawyer together because you know some of these things are you know they, they really do need that the joint minds together um thinking and and acting on your behalf and and I think that it, that that becomes key then you don't get concerned because the other thing I find in this industry doctors are smart people they have studied so long and and but business and particularly the sale or acquisition of a business quite often is confronting for them, quite often scary because it's a whole bunch of stuff that they've never thought about and don't know how to deal with. Um, and, and, you know, that, that I think becomes particularly hard for people who are so used to understanding the ins and outs of what they do and who are, who, whose whole, practice, business, success is based on being precise. <laughs> so, you know, I think the thing is don't have fear, just make sure you, you're talking to the right people. I, I think, you know, that's one thing that I would give as a tip. Yeah, 100%. So I had a, a lovely email. So we've been, I've been working with a practice owner in Melbourne to sell a clinic. Um, we got an acceptance earlier this week and today she writes to her deal team, Hi all, here's everybody's contact details. So in one email, I met her accountant, I met her lawyer. We've worked through the sections uh, 52 for Victoria. So it was lovely to just be open, honest and transparent. There's, there's no need to hide people from each other. We can all work together. We all support each other. We're all here for your transition. So absolutely important to have a great deal team, have a fantastic account you trust, have a lawyer you can talk to. And I always say to people, when you're engaging a commercial lawyer, we're not engaging a family court, a family lawyer, family court, we're not engaging a criminal lawyer because they're always in court. They're either preparing for court, they're in court, or they're debriefing after court. So only ever use a commercial lawyer, but bring three commercial lawyers talk to somebody, talk to each of them. What are their fees? What is their capacity to take on new work at the moment? And find a lawyer that you like. Find a lawyer that you can have a conversation with, not somebody who's perhaps got the God complex, not the most um, high-paid lawyer in the land because they probably are not going to want to settle. So talk to everyone. If you don't, if you're not happy, let me know because I have got so many connections with lawyers. I've got so many connections with great medical accountants. And if you need help, I'm here 
I'm here for the trans transaction. So without both parties, I can't make a deal. So, you know, just be open, honest and transparent. If you don't understand what's happening, there's no shame in saying, hey, Sal, I, I, don't, I don't understand what, what does this mean? Because, you know, if it was my health and I was coming to you for your thoughts on my health, I'd be asking you, hey, doc, I don't understand. What does this mean? But please, it'd be great if people just ask us rather than feeling embarrassed, as you said, because they don't know, because they do 10 years of education. They don't, don't do one business unit. So at least the pharmacists, they get taught business, but doctors don't learn business and they pop out at the other end after 10 years and go, right, I want to buy a business now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelming is the uh, understatement of the year for that sort of situation, mm. I think. Mm. Well, look, Sally, mm. I just – oh, and actually on that point, I guess I'd say we actually have a lawyer um, – uh, choosing a lawyer checklist. So we might even put that as a link um, here. And we will, of course, link to you, Sally Stewart, as well. And so if people want to get a hold of you, Sally, how do they do that? Yeah, sure, please. Uh, Sally.Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at Link Business, or one word with two S's, at linkbusiness.com.au or 0437082045. Um, but Joanna, I just wanted to say every listing and selling email that I send out, I send that link to choosing your lawyer checklist to every, yeah, to every new vendor that says to me, Sally, can you help me sell my practice? So in the last sentence or second last sentence is a link to that. Oh, you are so sweet. Well, Sally, that is very sweet. Well, a huge thank you for me. Um, and, and from the Deal Room podcast for being such a fabulous guest as always. Um, Sally Stewart, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Joanna. All the best. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal legals at Aspect Legal. If you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big 
and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 